You're listening to Telios Talk, a podcast on being complete in Christ, hosted by Buzzsprout. Who is Jesus? This simple question does not have a simple answer. The truth is, most people cannot answer this question correctly. More than a good teacher or historical figure, Jesus and his claims divide Christianity from every other worldview we encounter. Today, we'll explore the answer to this question. And now, here are your hosts, Wendell and Allie. Welcome to another episode of Telius Talk. Western Christianity is very man-centered. We spend a lot of time contemplating, how does Christ benefit me? And comparatively little time contemplating, who is Jesus Christ? It is very important that as followers of Christ, we will be able to answer the following two questions. Who is Jesus? And was he God? Yeah. And this is probably the most important question that people will have to answer. Um, And the thing is, if they don't answer it in this life, then we're going to have to answer it in the next life. There's just no getting out of answering the question, who was Jesus? That's right. And when I was in Bible school, my world religions prof said that the answer to the two questions that I just asked off the top defined whether or not you were a Christian, a non-believer, or the member of a cult. who was Jesus and was Jesus God? And so as we begin our series on Jesus, this episode will be focused on who Jesus was and is, and as Ali said, probably the most important question of our lives. Often we recommend the book of John to those seeking to know more about who Jesus was. And in his gospel, John starts off his narrative of Jesus' ministry years with these words. In the beginning was the word and in the word was God and the word was God. And he was in the beginning and all things came into being through him. Apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. These are the main verses used to prove both the personhood of Jesus and the deity of Jesus, the fact that Jesus is also God. Jesus is the incarnation of God, God in human form. Interestingly enough, this passage of Scripture is the main verse that we use we're discussing the person of Jesus with a Jehovah's Witness. And we do that because of how they answer our two big questions and why those answers they come up with. In the translation of the Bible that they use, they translate John 1 verse 1 like this. In the beginning, the Word was, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. And so their answer to the question of who Jesus is, is that he was a God. That's a small g and not big G. Essentially what they're saying is that Jesus is a creation of God with no claims or rights to his true deity. The deity that was his in the beginning with God because Jesus was and is God. Their answer to the question was Jesus God fails. If you look at the proper contextual translation, it's really important when you're reading ancient texts. The Apostle John wrote his narrative in the Greek language of that time called Koine Greek, which was one of the official languages of that time. Koine Greek can be traced back to the conquering armies of Alexander the Great. And then after the Hellenistic uh, colonization of the rest of the known world, Kona Greek was spoken from Egypt right to the fringes of India. And after the Roman conquest of Greece, the unofficial bilingualism of, of that empire was Greek and Latin. And so those were both established in the city of Rome. So Greek became the first and probably the most important language spoken in the Roman Empire, kind of like English today, right? It's one of those languages that's kind of worldwide. 
not that everybody speaks it well, or, but most people can understand it or understand it partly. Uh, so the apostles used the common form of language at that time to spread the gospel. And so the language of the New Testament was, uh, it was common, and it was also accessible to the entire Roman Empire at that time. Kona Greek is also known as Hellenistic Greek or New Testament Greek. And sometimes we even call it biblical Greek because it's the original language that the New Testament was written in. It's also the language the Old Testament was translated in later um, to give us what we call the Septuagint. And I'm probably saying that wrong. So anyway, so that's why this translation of John chapter one, verse one is like so important, especially if you are trying to demonstrate to someone such as a, a member of the kingdom hall, a Jehovah's witness, that Jesus was God. So you really have to understand the contextual um, interpretation or translation of the text. So yeah, it's hugely important. John's choice of words though, doesn't leave any doubt as to the subject of the sentence. So in the Greek, there's a phrase called the word and that is translated logos and is also used with the verb was this means that god and the word are the same so they are both god when you hear that phrase the word is a reference to god we also know yes. that when <clears throat> we read that phrase the word it's a reference to jesus christ mm -hmm. in john 1 verse 14 john writes this and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory glory as of the only begotten from the father full of grace and truth this is the same Greek translation of the word that is in John 1.1. 1, 1. And so Jesus is God. So <clears throat> brings about a question that some people may have. Yeah. Did Jesus manifest himself for the, just for the fulfillment of the New Testament? Or did he exist from the beginning with God? As John 1 clearly states, mm. he, being Jesus, was in the beginning with God. So there's the answer to that first question. Was he in the beginning with God? Yes, he was. Paul, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Colossian church, uh, wrote that Jesus was and is before all things, which means before anything else was created, Jesus was. And in Genesis, uh, we read that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the cattle of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So, yes, Jesus was in the beginning, as both the Old and New Testament testify. That's what a testament is. It's a, it's a testifying of, of something. Uh, so, yeah, Jesus was in the beginning with God. Um, and this is the reason why the prophecies concerning Jesus were so important and why they were fulfilled, because God knew from before the creation of before the foundation of the world, God knew that he, would, he was going to have to come to earth as a, as a means of direct action as opposed to a reaction. So, for example, if you know your river is going to flood, you build up your dike. That is a, that's a, a direct action towards an event. Okay? You know it's going to happen, so you take action. As opposed to a reaction where the river floods and your reaction is, oh my goodness, and you start sandbagging. That's the difference. So God knew ahead of time that he was going to have to come. So it was all part of his plan. You know, that's a good point. Because when we talk about the Godhead not being reactionary, it reinforces its omniscience. And this verse from Genesis speaks of God referring to himself as us. And God is multiple in nature. So in one interpretation of this verse, I did read that it is a plural of God's majesty. The name used for God in the original Hebrew text is Elohim, mm -hmm. indicating a masculine plural pronoun. 
been suggested that God is referring here to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a New Testament idea. You know, no. the, the Hebrew people were very familiar with who or what the Holy Spirit was and is, and that the reference to Jesus is only possible because of what we know from the teaching of the New Testament. Yeah, and I believe that the, the Hebrew people, the word they have for Holy Spirit is uh, ruach. I think that's how you pronounce it, ruach, and it means wind. Uh, yeah, the Old Testament is full of, of references to the Holy Spirit. It just, the way it's termed is a little bit different from the New Testament. But it's clear that God was not alone at the beginning. Mm -hmm. and, and scripture clearly states that Jesus was there in the beginning. Yeah. So, you know, well, I guess we'll find out the answer to that mystery when we get to heaven, right? Of course, yeah. yeah. But so anyway, so, um, so God, he created everything. Um, and this is exactly what John means when he writes, all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that came into being. He, we're talking about Jesus here, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. So this whole verse here is speaking about Christ, about Jesus. And again, if we go back to, if we go to Paul, he supports this when he writes to, again, to the church in Colossia, uh, for by him, all things were created both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, John all, all <laughs> things have been created through him and for him. You just substitute the word him for Jesus. So to believe that Jesus did exist at the time of creation and to think that he is God actually makes perfect sense when you look at the scriptural context and what what the scriptures writers have told us so jesus was fully human and yet fully god at the same time and god became human and came to earth he had a human body which is the same as us he was born through a physical birth just the same as we were he mm -hmm. grew up as a child he reached maturity by growing through all the same stages of growth that we do childhood adolescence adolescence adulthood just like we do we also know Jesus hungered. Jesus was thirsty. He was tired. He got angry. He laughed. He cried. You know, the, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept or he wept, right? So yeah. He was very human. Jesus was in every respect, just like you and I, except for one difference. He was sinless and he was holy, something that nobody can, can claim. And I like, I like how Paul describes it in his letter to the Galatians. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law. You know, Jesus had parents. Jesus had a human mind. Mm -hmm. In chapter 2, we read how Jesus increased in wisdom. Uh, yeah. Christmas is coming up. We're going to read through the uh, Christmas story. Just read a little bit further on and, and talking about, just briefly, Jesus as a child going into the, into the temple. Yeah, There are many different passages in the New Testament that refer to Jesus having a human soul and experiencing human emotions, including grief and temptation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And Matthew tells us about the people who Jesus grew up around, his childhood friends and his neighbors, and they knew him as the son of Joseph, a carpenter who had many brothers and sisters, which I think is important to remember that Jesus wasn't an only child. He did have brothers. He had the brother James. Um, we, we do believe that he mm -hmm. would have had sisters and other brothers as well. But this is why, for the most part, people saw Jesus and still see Jesus only as a good human being and a wise man. I think we can see that in, in Islam. Right, that's yeah. yeah, and many of the other world religions, too. Sure. They, they, they consider him either a guru or a teacher. Um, but the thing is, Jesus was much more than that. He was 
God divine in flesh. God, the one who alone has immortality and who dwells in unapproachable light and who no one has ever seen or can see, mm-hmm. came down to earth. Um, and yeah, I read that right. No one has ever seen God. Now, this goes back to a conversation that Moses had with God when the Israelites had rebelled uh, at Mount Sinai, uh, when God was giving them the Ten Commandments and the, the law. When Moses appealed to God for mercy on the people, because God was going to destroy them, he's like, forget this. Um, God granted it. And then Moses asked him an interesting thing. He said, Moses said, can, I, can you please show me your glory? He wanted to see God. Uh, I think that's awesome, really, when you think about it. Um, And God replied, I'll make my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I'll show mercy upon who I show mercy. But you cannot see my face, for man cannot see me and live. You'll see the back of me, but you won't see my face. So God knew that Moses couldn't look on him and live. And so Jesus, though he was God, he didn't count himself equal with God, a thing to be, to be grasped, something to be held onto. Instead, he willingly emptied himself of his godhood, of his deity, right? He gave it up uh, and he took on the form of a servant. He took on the form of a human being. So he was born in the likeness of us. You know, he went through birth. He went through growing up all that kind of stuff. Why? You know, we talk about God, Jesus coming to earth as a, as a a direct action, as opposed to a reaction. And the answer is really simple. It's our, it's our eternal salvation. You know, we can't get ourselves out of this mess. That's called sin. We can't get rid of it. Um, There's no cure for it. No pill. And only God, only God can do it. And so to do it, he had to become one of us. So that instead of us being punished for, those sins jesus god himself took the punishment so he was the one that had to die on the cross he's the one that paid the debt and set us free as the hymn says so jesus the invisible image of the image of the invisible god sorry the firstborn of all creation died so that we could live forever and be with him forever instead of apart from him so often we seem to project this idea of who jesus is as a new idea that was dropped unexpectedly into Judaism as a turning point of history, but this just isn't true. No, it's not. Um, the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, is a complete pattern detailing um, who Christ is and what his uh, appearance and his presence on earth would mean. Um, John Piper once said, the flood and the ark, the Passover and the Red Sea, the wilderness and the promised land, exile and return, war and peace, kingdom and kings, prophets and priests, the temple, its sacrifices, its rituals, wisdom in death and in life, songs of lament and rejoicing, the lives of faithful sufferers and the blood of righteous martyrs. The Old Testament is extraordinarily Jesus-shaped. Mm-hmm. And John Piper has extraordinary long run-on sentences. <laughs> but this is the point that the, the writer of, of, the, of the book of Hebrews is trying to make. It's the argument that's made at the beginning of the book of Romans by Paul is that he says, you know, he says to the world, you knew Jesus was coming. Yeah. You know, everything was there for you to know. And the thing is, the Jews did know he was coming. Yeah. The problem is, is that when he came, wasn't the right guy for them. Wasn't yeah. quite how they imagined God to come, you know, or the Messiah to come. So they knew Jesus was coming. They knew why he came. And so do we. So we do understand the gospel message. We do understand 
what, why he came. In fact, if you ask most people, they will have some understanding, especially if they have a, Christian, a church background. So the question is, if we know this, and why do we still reject him? So consider this, if you will. The Gospels were written to two separate groups. The Gentile population, which we would be a part of, that's where we would fall, and the Jews. I think um, you read Matthew. That was written to the Jewish people. And nobody else would start off a book with this long list of names unless he was talking to someone to whom it really made sense. And that did make sense. That made a lot of sense to the Jewish people. It sure people. did, yeah. Genealogy was huge. <laughs> but, you know, nearly every proof for Jesus used in the first four books are based on Jewish thought, tradition, teaching, and doctrine. It's very important. Luke 24, verse 27 states that Jesus used the law or scripture to explain all things concerning himself. That is, he used what we know as the Old Testament to testify to who he was. And he would have done that because that would have been what the people were reading. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what they would have been studying in the synagogues and in the the learning centers for the, the Pharisees. The last word, though, needs to come from Jesus himself. Who did Jesus claim to be? We go to the Gospel of John, which presents Jesus Christ in his deity. And sometimes it's called the I Am book. So in Greek, the term I Am, ego I me, would have been the equivalent to the Hebrew word I Am, which is Ea. And over and over again, Jesus said, I Am. Now to the learned Jew, this phrase I Am would have been very significant. It was a claim by Jesus that he was God. So people say, well, Jesus never says anywhere in the New Testament that he was God. He does. <laughs> All over the place, right? Especially the book of John. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right? Go back to the Old Testament when God called Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. He -hmm. told Moses to tell the nation that I am has sent you. That's in Exodus 3, verse 13 to 15. I am is the name for the covenant God of Israel, also known as, a.k.a. Jehovah God. Right? Mm -hmm. I, I am is the designation for God to the nation of Israel and Jesus' statement, I am states loud and clear that he was saying, I am God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if, you, if we just take a quick look at some of those uh, verses in the book of John, this is proof that Jesus actually did claim to be God when yeah. people say he didn't. So Jesus, he's talking here to the, most of the time it was to the, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees or sure. the Sadducees, because those were very often the ones that would question him. Um, the common people, they were just excited. You know, um, they had been living in such horrible circumstances for so long that the appearance of Jesus was like a was like a, a drink of fresh water, a breath of fresh air. Um, and the Jewish leaders, it was okay if he was kind of just doing good stuff, but the fact that he actually claimed to be God, that's what really ticked off the Jewish leaders. So here's some of the things he said. My father is always at his work to this very day, and I, too, am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Um, And then later on, Jesus still teaching in the temple courts, and he never, ever did any of this stuff in private. (laughs) He's there in the temple courts. I mean, like, huge public area. Um, He said, yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. 
That's John chapter 7, 28, 29. And then again, the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, they asked him, where is your father? And Jesus answers, you do not know me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. The way he's saying to the Jewish people, the leaders is like, it's all there. Yeah. You're, just, you're just ignoring it on purpose. Yeah. Uh, and Jesus again said, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. Yeah, that would have really, really been something for them to hear. Oh, yeah, not that would have not, really ticked them off. <laughs> not only does he claim to be God in that statement, he is comparing himself to Abraham before Abraham. Like, that would have been slappy in the face, right? Yeah. And I think actually in that passage, I, I didn't add it here, but I believe later they actually say to him, how could you be from Abraham's time, you know, your age and stuff like they just they just did not want to accept it. Sure. Like they asked the dumbest questions in response or they would just go away because they're like, I don't know what to say. Um, so that's why the Jewish people wanted to kill Jesus so much, because yeah. they understood that he was claiming to be God. Yeah. Um, there's a couple more here or one more here. John Chen, John 10, chapter 36 and 39. What about the one whom the father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Jesus is speaking about himself. Why do you then accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Do not believe me unless I do what my father does. But if I do, even if you don't believe, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he, you know, he, it wasn't his time yet. So he, he, he was able to slip through, but very clear statements that Jesus is saying to the, especially to the Jewish leaders, I'm the one you've been waiting for. I am, I am, you know? Yeah. Jesus also affirmed his deity with his disciples. If we read here, um, it says, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. And how can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the father? and that the Father is in me. The words that I say to you are not my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. That's from John chapter 14. Uh, go further on. Which is really similar to John chapter 10. Mm-hmm. If you notice the similarities. Yes. Yeah. You know, we go on in John here to chapter 17. Jesus is praying for his disciples. He says, and after Jesus said that, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he may give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the before world the world began. Yeah. I mean, if, I mean, I, I forgot that was actually in there. Yeah. So if you go back to John 1, yeah. and then you, John 17, John 1 is John saying, you know, he was in the world, created the world, he was in the world before the world began. Yeah. And here we have chapter 17, Jesus himself saying, Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had before the world began. Yeah. You know, 
And that prayer, that, that prayer in John chapter 17, which is often called the high priestly prayer, <clears throat> he didn't just pray for his, his current disciples, but he also prayed for all of the disciples, all the followers who would come after you and me sure. um, and everybody who claims to be a child of God. Yeah. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them, the, the 12 disciples alone. He said, I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, through the message of the gospel, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I are one, as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The evidence is really clear. Um, you know, did Jesus say that he was God? Yes, he did. Yeah. Yes, he did. And actually, there's a really good book to read on this um, by a guy called Lee Straubel yeah. uh, called The Case for Christ. Um, and it's a fantastic book. Uh, if you don't want to read the book, you can watch the movie. <laughs> Always an option to watch a movie. You know, it's a story about like Lee. Lee, Lee Strobel was a, he was an investigative journalist whose uh, wife um, started going to church and she became a Christian. And he was, for all intents and purposes, an atheist. He didn't really, or an agnostic. He didn't really know what to believe. He didn't care. Yeah. Um, as an investigative reporter, he saw a lot of the, the crap that kind of went on in the world. Uh, and you know it sours you when you're faced with humanity in that way. Sure. So he went on a he went on an investigative journey because uh, he wanted to prove that Christ was not who he said he was, and the conclusion was the same. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, did Jesus claim he was God? Yes, absolutely, he did. Uh, there was something really interesting that you had sent earlier um, when we were researching this. Uh, it was called the is it the Chaldean definition? The Chalcedonian definition. Do you want to do you want to maybe share that with listeners? I thought yeah. it was fascinating. Yeah. So in uh, AD 451, the Chalcedonian definition was penned to explain the deity of Jesus as both being God and man. So this is how it goes. We then, following the Holy Fathers, all with one consent to teach men to confess one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the same perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood, truly God and truly man of a reasonable, rational soul and body, co-substantial with God the Father, according to the Godhead, and co-substantial with us, according to the manhood, in all things like unto us, yet without sin, begotten for all ages of the Father, according to the Godhead. And in these later days, for us in our salvation, he was born of the Virgin Mary, the mother of God, according to the manhood. One and the same, Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten to be acknowledged in two natures, unconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, the distinction of natures being by no means taken away by the union, but rather the property of each nature being preserved and concurring in one person and one substance, not parted or divided into two persons, but one and the same Son, and only begotten God, the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the prophets from the beginning have declared concerning him, and the Lord Jesus Christ himself has taught in the creed of the Holy Fathers, which has been handed down to us. It's one of the most, uh, I think it's one of the most important. Well, everything's important, really. Okay, but all of our episodes are important based on the, the doctrines that we're talking about. But I think really the most important one really is this, because at the end of the end of time, Jesus was clear himself that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. Yeah. And God is going to 
judge us perfectly on the things that we have done or not done in our lives. Yeah. Uh, the, the main thing is, who do you say Jesus is? Jesus asked that question. Who do men sure. say I am? And even Peter said, you're the Messiah, the Holy One of God. But it is the most imp important question that we're going to ask. Who is Jesus? And next question is, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with this information? Because if Jesus was God and he came down to earth to save us from our sins and paid the sacrifice for us, then you have a choice to accept that that offer of redemption, of freedom, sure. penalty paid. You could also reject it. We've talked before about what rejection means. Yes. Um, so really, who is Jesus is one of the most important questions that we will ever, ever ask in our lives. And I really hope that this brief kind of account of, of the scriptures and who Jesus is will make listeners think about it and maybe encourage them in their decision about who, what they're going to do with Jesus. Well, you know, we're going to continue on uh, talking about Jesus next month. Going yes. Christmas season, uh, talking about, you know, what does Christmas mean? And um, talking more about the life of Christ. Yeah. We'll get into all that nativity stuff. It's pretty awesome. You betcha. All, all right. right. Would you like to close in a word of prayer? You betcha. All right. Father God, it is, again, very revealing to us read through scripture uh, studying who your son was who your son claimed to be and really understanding that Jesus is God that you and he are one uh, sets us apart as, as Christians we look at other world religions other faiths and this idea that God came down to earth that Jesus came it's the most important thing for everyone to understand and I think very oftentimes glossed over. So, Lord God, we pray that you would open ears, you would open hearts, soften hearts, allow people to hear what's being said, to be able to see the truth of Scripture, that they would be saved. Lord God, that as you came down because you had a love, you had a love for us, you had a plan for us, there is this salvation. Um, you paid the price. Father God, be with us now as we go. Uh, pray that you would give us your, your blessing and your mercy. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to visit our Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube sites. We're always happy to visit and answer questions. Our Facebook page has discussions, articles, and links to the topics we discuss monthly. Keep us in your prayers as we prepare our podcast every month. Next month, we are in Part 2, Jesus Christ, Unto Us a Child is Born. Please join us.